Hi guys, happy Thursday. It's Thursday again, and that means it's another episode of Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. Hello all, welcome back to Thursday. We are here with a very special guest. And before I introduce her, for those of you just tuning in for the first time ever, Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays is a pop culture podcast. If you're here for anything but pop culture, you're in the wrong spot. Obviously we end up talking about lots and lots of things, but everything has a touch of pop culture. So much so people are stealing the idea. We hear Kara Swisher talking about pop culture all the time on her podcast and she got it from here. I'll tell you that. Uh, I say that as the guest laughs because she knows Kara Swisher very well. And we have, I mean, Literally, the the people are going to be shaken in their seats when they hear that we're together on a podcast, the Brooke and Brandy show. But it's the (laughs) one and only Brandy Barker. Before I give an intro on who you are, Brandy, say hi. Hello. I'm so honored to be here with you. It's like we're chatting on the phone, only with a lot of people listening. With our 500 phone calls a day. I will say if I wish that we did have video right now, because Brandy looks like a full on gamer girl using her son's gaming headphones, which are a really great lime green with like a mic. It's very cool. You look very podcasty, gamey girl. Thank you. Or Fortnite-like, right? Oh, Fortnite. Yeah, that's right. Of course. Well, so those of you listening, most of you know who Brandy Barker is. Not only does she have one of the great names of all time, she is a great friend and somebody I've worked closely with for uh, a long time. I don't want (laughs) to say how long because it's a long time. Some of you had not been born yet for our earlier fans, our younger fans. But Brandy and I come from a similar background, though she's gone on to much greater and bigger things. We come from a comms background. We worked together at a PR firm back in Silicon Valley days uh, and the dot-com days and whatnot and worked with companies together like Oracle, always hardcore love heart Oracle. And then Brandy went on to be the first head of comms and policy at a little company called Facebook and is a legend in that world and is now taking a bit of a step back from tech the last few years and doing things of real importance on the social impact side. A lot of social impact projects, including working with the uh, Afghanistan evacuation and doing a lot of work with family separations at the border. And um, you know that my heart is in that area and why I work so closely with Choose Love, the organization that I've talked about loads here. So how's that, Brandy? Was that a good intro? Is that accurate? Yes. And let's celebrate your social impact work, my friend, as well. And the award you got. Have you talked about that on this podcast or do I... Do I get the honor? <laughs> is that social? I guess it is social impact. You know, it's such a funny thing. Did we use the term social impact like 10 years ago? Like, I feel this no. is a new category. We just said like we were raising money for our charity. Yes, I um, thank you very much. I raised, I yes. think it's now almost $60,000 because after I it was announced that I won, more people donated to the campaign. And this was for um, the, Amer- I raised money for the American Heart Association and it's the leaders of impact. And I I won the Southern California sort of, I guess it's all a competition for raising the most amount of money. And I'm a leader of impact. 
And I think also the second highest amount raised nationally. Nationally. Oh, God, you really read the release. I did. I did. You do (laughs) such great work. I love what you do with Choose Love, too, because the refugee plight is of great interest to me and study. So I am grateful for that. I, I mean, it's interesting that certainly with Choose Love and Charity Water, those which was an organization I worked really closely with over a number of years and did a lot of work in the field, as they say, and went to Ethiopia a bunch with them. But those are both organizations entrenched in pop culture. I mean, it's so interesting. Like they both those founders, Scott Harrison of Charity Water and Josie Naughton of Choose Love navigated pop culture and came from worlds of pop culture in order to have impact, which I think is so interesting. Scott Harrison was a big club promoter until he had an epiphany of, you know, life-changing magnitude. And Josie worked with Coldplay. She was the assistant to the manager there and then learned from like consumer behavior, how to navigate that into empowering groups for impact, which I think plays into what you do. You've really learned how to tell a story and be strategic and be connecting the dots and connect big names with big ideas and that you're using your powers for good. We know many people who work in our field who use our powers for bad, but we're Glinda the Good Witches versus the Wicked (laughs) of the West who ends up under a house. I just want that to be a warning to those of you. (laughs) Do I get red glitter shoes? Oh, no, that's Dorothy. Well, you can get the like blue fairy princess come down in like the floating bubble thing and you get a wand. I It seems like I might have got that with the AI images that were produced. Oh. See that, guys, this is why Brandy Barker gets paid the big bucks or did. Now she's doing social impact because that is what you call like connecting the dots, bringing the story together. What a segue. I did. Well, (laughs) I'm so grateful to have a guest who can actually take the cues I give them, which is not always the case. But AI, that is where we are today. And for those of you who didn't read the newsletter, that's okay. But the focus this week was definitely on like all things AI. If you didn't read the newsletter, but you're on social media in some capacity, there is no way you've missed all of the hot images being served, cherry picked by your friends and family that they found the greatest ones to post on their Instagram and socials. And you may notice, you may have seen a lot of them. They may have drowned out because you're just like bored with all of them, but you may have noticed a distinction between the male and the female photos. And that is women photos, which give, I give Brandy credit for highlighting early and before anybody else I've seen the female photos, those who identify as a woman, all are sex pots. A lot of them were returned topless. A lot of them have huge ginormous breasts. Um, they are caricatures. Obviously this is a, these are artist renditions via AI, but all of them come back in categories like fairy princess, fantasy, anime, unlike the guys and Brandy, what were some of the guys categories? I can't even, I can't I even think astronaut rock star. I mean, in fairness, I feel like we both deserve rock star category at the very I mean, least. <laughs> and, but it's so crazy when I think about, and I'm sorry, my parents are not here to defend themselves, but I remember 
very distinctly watching some movie and I was sitting on the floor of my den. My parents were on the couch. I had some toys. I probably was like five or six. It's one of these core memories. And I was like, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. And my dad said, oh, why not a fairy princess? And I'll never forget it. I really, and, it, and I was like, okay, fairy princess. Like, I just remember, I don't know why. I don't think it's a manipulated memory because I've, I've had that memory for so long. And it's not my dad's fault. It was like 1980. That was the sort of like, he did not want a daughter who was going to be a fireman. He wanted a daughter to be like the fairy princess. But the guys were served very distinctly. They were like macho men. There was also a superhero category, adventurer category like think Indiana Jones as you said astronaut as you said rock star I was gonna say I think that they were getting images too where the you know naked muscles abs things as well but I I think that the point of what we want to talk about is the impact for women versus men when they're served those images. Exactly. And let me take a step back for those of you who are wondering like how, how's everybody getting these images? It is an app called Lenza and it's Lenza, A-I-L-E-N-S-A. We'll put it in the show notes. And it is a very pricey app. I think it's like $50 a year. They're making quite a bit of money. You can actually get it on a trial. You just have to remember to unsubscribe before they charge you. Um, You can get it for a trial. You still have to pay for the packs. And that means you can get like a pack of 100 images. You upload about 20 photos. You want those photos to not be photos you wouldn't want to share with your family or friends, but they have to be standalone photos of you, your face, your body, whatnot, and it will determine which ones are usable. And they have to be somewhere between 10 to 20 images. And then you spend like $6 for a pack of a hundred, for example. And it takes anywhere between like 20 minutes to a couple hours, depending on the availability and speed for which your phone is on. And you get these images back, theoretically AI. And there's a bunch of issues, as Brandy pointed out. Certainly one is the female to male issue. And yes, let's point out there are some women who got unbelievable photos back that were not sexualized at all. Well, I think you said it best in your post on Instagram that it's tricky. I mean, because I got images that I thought were so beautifully artistic. I mean, they were all beautiful. My God, even the pornographic ones of me, I was like, hey girl. (laughs) Yeah. So it is tricky because the vanity takes over, which is what you're seeing all over social media. And you're saying like, you know, wow, these are these are hot renditions of me in any capacity, male or female. I will say, though, like my niece Haley got the most beautiful images of like 100 images back. All of them were austere and beautiful and um, ethereal and no boobies at all were being exposed. So it lends me to believe that maybe the AI is able to identify that I'm just like, I'm the drama. Like, are we the ones that got the, <laughs> the pictures the back? Yeah. Are we the drama? Can they identify that we're just like really dark characters and we um, might've, might've benefited from some booby pictures, but I joke, I joke. It just means that, you know, there are, I've seen my friends, a lot of people, as you know, post on Instagram and all the women will pick their favorite ones. And then some of them will say, these are the least risque of the ones that I got delivered. Or, you know, there's in the similar vein as you and me, the guys, at least the people that I follow are all posting their macho photos and like, look at this, I'm an astronaut. And like not even acknowledging the discrepancy here. And it, it, I don't want to look at social media right now. I'm so fucking annoyed and I'm over it all. 
That's how I feel. Yeah. Well, and to clarify too, I think the same, you did the same thing. I mean, I only put in the 20 photos were of my face. So I'm not there sure was what was no gender- pictures of me in a bra. There are no pictures right. of me in a bikini. There are no t- pictures. And also, Nothing. by the way, like I've talked about it here, I had a breast reduction. I don't like, so where they're getting these ginormous, like 30, eight triple X boobs that they're putting me in with these like seductive shots in every single genre that they return to me. I am, I am doing something sexualized pretty much. Right. Me, me too. Large boobs, small waist, round butt, long legs. I don't look like that. <laughs> so and why is it serving that just based on our, our faces? And that is because, and then when I put it out on social and you, well, I followed your lead, you tweeted about it first. Um, we well, saw, first I called you alarmed. <laughs> we had an alarming conversation. Yes. Also, I was really, I was looking at it too with how some of the photos were so realistic. Some of the images were so realistic of, uh, some didn't look at all like me or I'm sure you had the same, but some were so realistic that it also triggered a thought for me. And, and I know that we've talked about this as a society in the past, but it was so blatant about as this progresses, we, you know, it's one thing if you're a celebrity, another, if you're a private citizen where you don't have control over your own image anymore. So if somebody has images of me, they can upload them into an AI filter and turn me into a set, like turn me into creating sexual content, the image of me. So imagine maybe not in 2022, but you're five-year-old daughter has the risk of in 15 years, photos of her, people take them, turning into an AI filter and turning that 15-year-old who has done absolutely nothing sexual into a sexual content. Am I articulating that correctly? That's my fear too, right? Well, I think, right. It's sort of, um, I mean, the technology is fascinating and the potential is so great, but I do think that there is it's early enough that the responsibility and opportunity is, is to pay attention and monitor it in a way where it doesn't get away from us in ways that maybe other technology like social media might have, you know, I think, well, and I think when we had that call, sort of those things came up, right. We talked about the discrepancy in male versus female. We came up the potential dangers here, you know, maybe you are more positive because of, of the work you're doing now. I am still cynical. Like we've, we've had massive opportunities as a society and certainly as people in tech, our, our culture and technology to learn from previous mistakes. And yet here we are, here we are again, crypto, we, you know, with, with SBF, we're here again. So I don't really, you know, could we put in parameters now, but where we came out on is that AI and we got called out on this. I certainly did on Twitter. Like that's not how AI works. It's machine learning, da, 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 da. It has to start from somewhere and humans are human. It starts with humans. And so if as a society we are inherently misogynist and we're inherently like sexist and there's, you know, from and and racially, obviously, AI has already been well known to have issues in terms of racial discrimination here we are humans built it. And, you know, I'm sorry to generalize, but the based on the dozens and dozens of images I've seen from people both that I know and both whom I don't, it would seem that the people who created this AI 
are a bunch of guys who are sitting around in their basements playing Settlers of Catan and watching a lot of anime. And I don't mean to generalize that, but the men are literally all superheroes and rock stars. And the women are literally all fairy princesses, wooden fairies, fantasy fairies, anime characters. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, which apparently only men can be in AI, to figure it out. Right. It's a human filtering the data sets. And that's where it starts. So like AI is only as good as the people who created it. And then it builds off of that. And then, you know, like we learned in, in war games that machine can overtake man and, and either man has the opportunity or woman people have the opportunity to get ahead of it. Like you say, or like all sci-fi films show AI will destroy humanity or there'll be that that superhero, AKA The Rock or Harrison Ford, according to AI, who will come out and save us from the robots. But we have a right. long way to And go. we're hoping for Gal Gadot. <laughs> I mean, we want some Gal Gadot. We want some, right. we want, you know, but maybe Gal Gadot in a, you know, non-sexy Wonder Woman outfit, just like a normal hair. Hey guys. So she's hey. pretty sexy, so. That's okay. <laughs> no, I don't mind sexy. I'm just saying that the yeah. sexualized superheroes, but I guess men too, the men, they show their little chests and their whatnot. I'm not sounding like a very good friend of ours that we will not name did say that I was being like a Karen on this. Like stop being such a prude. There are other things to worry about, like climate change. Mm-hmm. Obviously climate change is a big issue. This is <laughs> that you cannot, you can actually have them both, right? Like you can be concerned about both, not one or the other. I don't think I'm a Karen. I'm all for the, that's what I said in that Instagram that you referenced is that it is tricky. Like I love that version of me. I, I want to show that off. I would love in some capacity to be some of those images, but the fact is it's just so black and white. How it was delivered. Women are sexual creatures and men are, you know, have these big jobs and are heroes. Well, and raising attention to something that warrants it is not a Karen. (laughs) 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 I will say- You're not asking for the manager. (laughs) I mean, you know, we only talk about one Karen here and that's Space Karen, and it's still my favorite ever. Um, but that was not the only thing that happened in AI, though. All of you guys have seen it. There's some incredible images, though. Like it's it's funny. I haven't seen like the Kim Kardashians and whatnot, but I imagine those type of women, their AI characters, their and themselves are going to be completely the same. <laughs> like, I just have this. I thought the same thing. <laughs> right? You're gonna it's gonna be interchangeable. Like, I don't know what what is AI and what is not. Because it's all manufactured someone, anyway. Someone tweeted the that the one of the photos I posted um that was supposedly me looked like Celine Dion. So oh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, blow, blown hair back. So, you know. I mean, I love that. I love me some Celine. My lord. I know. That is, there are worse things to be said. I got, which, you know, I obviously would love is a Kate Hudson and Drew Barrymore and some of them, some of the people said that. But by the way, before we get into the other AI stuff that's not visual, this is not limited to Lenza. I will say I experimented with, there's another AI um, uh, option with a company called My Heritage, which you might be familiar with. I don't know if you know about it, Brandy. It's another one of these like DNA ancestry sites that has done this before. In fact, um, like a year ago, they offered a tool that allowed you to make 
still photos move. And I used it on my parents. And I basically lived in my therapist's office for about 18 hours because I, t- I haven't seen my parents in a visual capacity for 25 years. And I took photos of them and used this filter on my heritage. And it looked like they were like animated and it was really crazy. Yeah. Um, real, real emotional drain there, but they did also at the same weekend push out their AI filters and you could upload photos in almost the same way. And they had a bit different. You could pick the different genres you wanted to come back as. So it was 1940s. It was not 1940s pinup or 1950s pinup. It was 1940s woman, 1950s woman, like hippie seventies, like earth person. Like you could pick all these different categories. So I picked all of them and every single one of them came back as like a pin up, you know, big breasted, <laughs> petulant, pouty looking face in my 30s, 40s, 50s, all of them in bras or little push up situations. So it's not limited to Lenza, by the way. So it's a problem. It's all inclusive and in, in its um, lack of diversity. And maybe it's not even diversity. Maybe it's just that this is what the people who are building AI, their perfect woman, right? That's what they see. Their ideal woman is that pinup, unreal, unrealistic version um, that, that some influencers in this day and age have perpetuated as reality. Well, and based on, on some of the responses I got on Twitter too, the white the lack oh. of, of so color that was, as yes. well. There were some black women and some black friends of mine who loved it and had great experience with Lenza. Then there were others who said, you know, I like some of these pictures, but I was, some of them delivered back to me as a white woman. Like that has to be pretty freaking unsettling. So we have a long way to go. And I, I think race and AI has been a conversation for some time um, and it needs to, you know, we need to be better and more people need to be involved and more, you know, diverse people, people of color and women need to be building AI. That's the only way I, around it. I think fundamentally, it just seems like it doesn't have to reflect the darkness of our culture and society. Yeah. But my skepticism says we're a long way away from changing that. Moving on to other AI that is terrifying, maybe even slightly more terrifying, is um, one that is nothing to do with pictures and all about words. And this uh, came from OpenAI, and it's their new product called ChatGPT. That's G. P as in Peter, T as in Tom. And that launched, I think it's a week ago, and they have already a million registered users, probably more. That was yesterday. They announced a million. Um, Quite a growth trajectory. It was very big amongst the Silicon Valley people. Elon, a.k.a. Space Karen, and Mark Andreessen, they may be the same person. We still don't know. have tweeted about it and used it. Do you want to give a little synopsis, Brandy, since you're so eloquent on it, on what ChatGPT actually is? Wow. Well, I guess in its simplest form, it is a system on the web that OpenAI created where you just type in what you want into a small space, like you're doing a search on Google. For example, write a poem about my son and up pops, in, in the case of the example I just used, the most eloquent poem about a young boy, not personal to to my son, that I couldn't have done myself. That's right. So I, for example, I asked them, this is so right, a poem about my dog, 
potato. So, and that's something, by the way, I can't believe it's taken us 24 minutes to talk about, but Brandy and I have French bulldogs. They are cousins. They are related. They are also food products. They are, mine is potato. Brandy's is donut. They are, they look alike. They both cause us a lot of freaking grief. They're both the most expensive things we probably own, even maybe more than your son. Not that you own your son, but you know what I mean. Anyway, it's quite, it's quite extraordinary how similar we are in many ways. So mine comes back, my dog potato, oh, how sweet, with fur as soft as summer's heat. His wagging tail, well, he doesn't have a tail, and playful bark brings, <laughs> brings joy to me from morning start. He greets me each day with a licky kiss. His loyalty and love I cannot miss. With boundless energy, he's always at play, a constant source of laughter throughout the day. When I'm feeling down, he's there to cheer, a warm and cuddly friend who's always near. In his big brown eyes, I see devotion and care. My dog, Potato, I'm so grateful you're there. Now, I literally type that in write a poem about my dog potato while you were telling us what the app was. That's extraordinary. Amazing. They didn't, they got it wrong because they didn't talk about what a pain in the ass he is too. Just like donut. And also he doesn't have a tail. I mean, he wags his little butt, but those little things, but yes. And I assume it'll get smarter, but the point is this has, this has so many different impacts. So think about it. People can respond via text, via AI, just like tell Brandy I'm like running late, but be nice. And they'll send a whole text or tweet. But from our perspective, from an industry marketing, you know, I think you're going to see people like who have really great, the, the, the Don Drapers of the world in advertising and marketing or whatnot. When you have AI that can do it in 10 seconds, no longer do you need a team of people who get paid millions of dollars to come back with a creative campaign and, you know, taglines and all of that. Just AI tell like sell soap for me. What's, why is this soap better? And it comes back and it's going to be unbelievable. The ramifications it has on multiple industries, I would think. Well, I was thinking too, back to my son, he gets a hold of this. And if I don't have great trust in who he is and or our education system, write an essay on Abraham Lincoln for me. So that was one of the examples I put in the newsletter. Somebody did that, like write an essay on Wuthering Heights. Like you will not have to read the book. You will not have to. I mean, we already had, and and I do think, I mean, what people are talking about now in tech is this is going to disrupt Google, right? Google was already that, right? You have Google and then Alexa. Kids could sit there if you're in the other room and be like, Alexa, tell me what the, you know, fraction, the, the, the square root of 7,564 is. So they're getting that, that that's where Google started. Alexa's going there, but now this is taking it to an entirely different level. They can write entire essays, college essays, exams, uh, reports, your writing, your work for anything that requires sort of thought, creative usage. I could have pop culture Mondays written by AI and it would give me my Mondays back. Amazing. You should do a sample, do a sample of that. I should do that. It It won't have your voice though. That's, that's where humans will win out on this. But I mean, I think about back to the education thing, like plagiarism doesn't matter anymore because it will all be unique to every, every individual that puts it in. Right. Though we'll see because maybe the AI will plagiarize itself. Just like the images, there's all this talk about 
the fact that there is artists that it comes from. And so artists are like, have created these images that they're not getting credit for that then AI is built off of. So there might be similar from, you know, who's winning in all of this lawyers, because lawyers, like, just like when there was the 3d printing, right. You have all these IP stuff that lawyers now get, like, they're going to get into more and more and more. They're going to get more, billable hours because this IP stuff becomes so tricky, whether it, when it's with AI, you had it with, I used to think about 3d printing. Like, why would I have to go to Amazon or a retail store if I broke a garbage can in my bathroom, right? Like the little plastic thing or whatever, ceramic garbage can. If you break one, you have to go and find the right one. Now you just 3d print it, but does the manufacturer get the money? Like, how do you do that? You'd have to, there has to be a marketplace, blah, blah, blah. This is like a whole new level. You can write an entire book, but it might be taken from like, who gets credit? It's the A, I don't know. My mind is blown. But again, I feel the darkness versus the light. But here's what I like about OpenAI versus I think some of these other companies is just looking at their founding and executive team, like Dave Wilner is head of trust and safety at that company. And I can't think of a more like morally grounded, ethical person that I have known and worked with in tech. So having those type of people, at least looking at these systems, right. And um, you hit the nail on the head. Feel- it's, it's about the people that is like there, you know, there is somebody, I just saw a tweet that said founders are going to be able to run companies more efficiently because they won't need as many people because of, you know, AI will make those people not necessary. But then you saw other founders say it's about the people that make the business, but founding teams in technology, you, they're just like when AI is built, if AI is built by a bad person, it's going to get worse probably. In founding companies, technology companies, consumer facing business, business, whatever, it's if the founder at the core of it and the executive team at the core of it is coming from a place of good, then the likelihood the business is going to go that direction versus um, somebody with no moral compass, then the alternative happens. So that's really good to know about OpenAI. I don't know if this is true. I am not a reporter. I have not have no evidence to back this up. But a couple of people did comment about Lenza having a Russian CEO. Now, by the way, I, that's not fair if, you know, just to say because he's Russian. Right. But, you know, there is this conversation around security. We did as a I mean, millions upon millions of Americans uploaded 20 photos to this app with zero research just based on social popularity because they saw it on TikTok and Instagram. And now, you know, whoever has the data, there's all this conversation around TikTok being dangerous, but like lots and lots and lots of adults who have said TikTok is bad, Chinese are bad, have uploaded their images without a care in the world to an app they have no knowledge about, which I find, you know. Fascinating. I, I mean, it's probably a totally separate podcast, but yes, I do think it, it's interesting to look at what technology that is built by people in countries that don't adhere to human rights. Yes. And what is the long term effect? And where of is that, that going? Um, and perhaps we have not even seen that or have yet to see that. 
a distinction between the two businesses as well is one like the, the open AI, this was all, they didn't have a marketing campaign. They did not hire influencers to go. This was all were real organic word of mouth from real technologists who were, you know, this is probably the biggest innovation in, you know, years and years and years and years on the tech side and technologists were praising that and understood the dangers and what, what the potential downfall is. But from an innovation perspective, it gained a lot of traction and steam amongst, you know, the real users of technology and so forth. Whereas on the flip side, Lenza, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they had, you know, a, a, a direct marketing campaign involving influencers and those who started to use it to get the word of mouth to start, you know, dropping it. That's certainly what I've uncovered from a lot of TikToks where they used an influencer sort of whisper campaign to get this going. And then it caught on like truly like wildfire, right? You just, your network work starts to share and people that I know that aren't even rarely on Instagram have revisited the Instagram so they can post their glamour shots. And, um, it's a very, it's two very distinct, you know, ways of going about how to communicate your story. And one is more transparent and, and organic. And the other is based on pop and celebrity. And it's interesting where we come out on that. I think open AI has got legs, right? I think lens is a fad and people don't, you know, they'll, they're banking on the fact that people will sign up and forget to cancel that subscription and paying $50 a year. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'm in a mom group, um, on Facebook. Yes, of course I'm still on Facebook. Um, <sighs> that actually got, got wind of chat GPT. And, and I started seeing people post about how they put in like, what's a low carb, low fat diet I should be following for the new year and getting returns on that. So it, it, it's interesting how quickly it's spread outside. And of that's something that people would go to Google on, but you don't necessarily trust the results from Google anymore because you have these paid advertising for now. That's not the case on chat on, on open AI's product, but so Google, you get paid advertising, you get so much noise back. It's hard to trust like which one is going to tell you because you can open three results from Google on that very question and get three very different conflicting responses. So that's so interesting. Oh my God. Well, we could talk AI all the time. I'm fascinated to see what happens in the next week. Other things happened in the pop culture world that have captivated us. And let me first ask, are you watching The White Lotus season two? Like I wait breathlessly on Monday nights for it to come out. <laughs> maybe it's on Sunday nights. It comes out Sunday. Oh, Sunday night. Well, maybe that's the problem. It maybe always shows up then <laughs> when I'm looking. <laughs> but that's another thing. I think like, you know, I've talked about it before, but we've all come to expect the drop. Like I get really enraged when a series comes out and it's like, oh, I have to wait another week for it. But with this, The White Lotus, there's something really magical about going back in time to when, how we grew up, which is you have to wait a week and then every, and then with the power of social media, everyone's in it together. Like we all are sort of like that, like that collective jaw drop when something scandals happens. Now, of course, people still watch it on their own time. Maybe they don't watch it on Sunday night, but for the most part, everyone I know who's enjoying the show is like, I'm staying in, I'm putting on the TV, I'm watching season two, maybe at a, at some point on Sunday evening. And I'm watching it on Monday. Or so Monday, that. right. And you're, <laughs> no, but if you lived on TikTok, you, like I do, you wouldn't be able to wait until Monday because the TikTok world has really leaned into this show. And, you know, even more so. Spoilers. 
Yeah. And so you, they, everybody's very respectful though, and does indicate spoiler alert, spoiler alerts, but I just find it like these 20 somethings that really, they have become detective Clouseau or like they understand that all of these people's theories, and I'm talking like even two or three, two episodes in, they had theories and almost all of the ones that I've like paid a lot of attention to have been correct. So if I follow these people's theories, which some of them with spoiler alerts have said, this is what I think is going to happen. I think I know what's going to happen next week, which is tragically the last episode. I, I just wanted to continue. But I also touch on the fact that the writer and creator of this is Mike White, who's not new to a lot of people. He's a writer. He's he starred in the movie Chuck and Buck that he wrote, which I've loved. He wrote School of Rock, lots of it. But he's also, and I have friends, we have very good friends in common that are avid fans of Survivor, avid fans of The Amazing Race, two shows I've never watched in my life. Um, which is funny since I'm such a pop culture junkie, but really, really the smartest people I know just love these shows. It's really strategic. It's all about sort of manipulation and all about strategy. It's like real life risk. But Mike White was a contestant on both of them and was like a legendary contestant. And knowing that, but with the Hollywood background, he was on Survivor and was like a legendary cast member on Survivor. Wow, that's so impressive. <laughs> Which means that he's able to, what I think about people who do really well on Survivor is they're able to see eight steps ahead. And that's what's so magical about this White Lotus, especially season two. But like the amount of like Easter eggs and the way that he's looping things back and like and, and incorporating even in the opening music, like and people in front of p- pictures, like it might be in the background, but then leave it to TikTok. They're able to analyze. It's like this famous, you know, Italian Renaissance painting behind the, you know, person in a bedroom. And it depicts exactly what's happening in the show. There's just, it's so many dots connected. It's incredible. Like the threads are amazing. And here I've only been focused on the fashion and the controversy around that. Oh, well, the controversy around Portia. So Portia is, I mean, I was Portia when I was 22, right? Like, just like, I remember that role. She was an assistant. She plays the assistant to our, our favorite Jennifer Coolidge. And her name is Tanya. And uh, Portia is this 22-year-old sort of struggling with, like, what is she doing with her life? Being an assistant to a very difficult client, I guess you could say boss. <laughs> and, and her fashion has become a hot topic on TikTok in particular. It's unhinged. It's chaotic. It's, and apparently, and I put a TikTok in there about the choices and the interview that I guess the costume designer made about why. And apparently none of the clothes cost more than 100 or $200. Sometimes she's dressed like a boy, like a 12 year old boy. Sometimes she's trying to become like, you know, I think of that two piece top that she, that the Mm -hmm. top and bottom that she wore through the streets of Palermo. I mean, it's, but it's so interesting how people are like analyzing the shit out of her fashion. Let's talk about why Portia dresses like this, because yes, there is a reason. Costume designer Alex Bovert told Variety that she was trying to convey a young woman who doesn't really know who she is yet. Sometimes she tries to be dainty and more feminine. And sometimes in Bovert's words, she dresses like a little boy. Everything she wears is one to $200 or cheaper. Sourced her clothes from vintage and thrift stores, which is why you might recognize this shirt. Brighter Days identified it as the same one worn in Princess Diaries. She also wears a lot of Instagram brands and a lot of urban outfitters. Point is not for her 
her to look fashionable or put together. The point is for her to look like someone who just graduated college, doesn't have a lot of disposable income to spend on clothes, and is figuring herself out. I think it's great fashion. I loved how she weaved the blue yarn through her pigtails and in the back. She's adorable. Every single outfit I would wear, but she did wear a Godfather t-shirt in this last episode with the particular scene that has also been highlighted in the episode with the car exploding and everybody in TikTok seems to think that's massive foreshadowing. I will say one of my most popular Instagram stories was um, (laughs) one that I posted this week, which was a still a really, really grainy still photo of Jennifer Coolidge's character leaning down to snort lines of cocaine and (laughs) some people were holding her hair back. You know, I am not speaking necessarily from experience. Come on, guys. I grew up in the 90s in New York. <laughs> but, you know, I put out there like for those of you, for those hair holders, you've been seen. This is for you. Your moment is now because it was like highlighting the fact that her long blonde hair is going to fall into the plate of cocaine. And she was, you know, the, the, the people were caring for her, though. Nobody wants to be doing cocaine now, certainly in America because of fentanyl. So don't, don't do drugs kids, but it was an incredible episode. I'm obsessed with everything in that show, but you know, growing up in, uh, in, in the suburbs of New York with no Uber and parents that were like, here's a car at 16. Oh, you're going to a keg party. Have fun. Um, to being in the, you know, early nineties, mid nineties in college and, um, going to college in Florida. Yeah. And then dating a rock star and being in the late nineties. Um, I saw my fair share of drugs, lots of Red Bull, lots of cigarettes, lots of cocaine in the day. I was with the hair holders, lots of, (laughs) my God, there was a lot of hair holding. There was a lot. I I've held people's hair, whether it was that or, um, when they were hurling into the toilet, there were lots of that. It's going to be okay. Don't get vomit on your hair. That's bad. (laughs) You can go back to the club, but just get it out of your system. (laughs) That's going to be in your your book someday. <laughs> one day, one day. Well, B, honestly, I, this is, people are getting a little glimpse of you and I talking on the phone, except we both interrupt each other constantly with like other ideas. <laughs> I know we're being, we're being very careful because it's podcast format, not to talk over each other. <laughs> well, you can certainly tell that I have ADD when I'm talking to you. Cause we'll, I'll be like, I'll interrupt myself mid conversation with you and be like, wait, and oh my God, I forgot to tell you this while you're like, wait, go back to what you were just saying. What's happening? <laughs> yes. So we were very disciplined on this pod, but we're getting to that favorite part of mine that gives a little bit of insight to my guests, and that is the makeout, marry, and mute. And as I've told you before we started the pod and as regular listeners know, it's our take on Mary fuck kill, but we're ladies here. We're ladies. So it's make out Mary or mute. And it could be a person, a fictional character, an idea, a theme, a show. It could just be any of those things. And I want to hear yours immediately. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Mary is Amal Clooney. And George can come along. Oh, my God. Did they? I, they were just honored along with the Irish, the U2 boys, um, along with several Kennedy other people Center, at the right? Kennedy Center honors. And um, I don't know if you saw Julia Roberts was wearing a dress, a ball gown just of covered yep. with George Clooney photos, which I thought was adorable. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, it's all George Clooney pictures. But I don't think there's any more accomplished or beautiful woman in the world than Amal Clooney. I mean, she is just yes, I, I'll marry her. And great if I get, yeah, what if I get George one. along with it. Thank yeah, you. Get, okay. That's a great one. I mean, my makeout 
is, I mean, definitely in the same as yours. I mean, come on, Harry Styles, like line it up now that you're better and not sick anymore. <laughs> like put some Gucci on, drip in the Gucci and make out with me. Did you watch my policeman <laughs> based on my recommendation? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you. And also I watched the swimmers based on your recommendation. Oh, well, thank also. you. The swimmers is incredible. I will say, you know, the, my policeman did not get a lot of promotion from Harry Styles and his team. And it's not because it's not a great movie, guys. I think it's because it's too good of a movie, if you know what I mean. And he's a he's very believable in those very sizzling sex scenes between him and his male lover and I watched it with a girlfriend and we may have rewound it like several times just in (laughs) silence awkward silence like wait can we just like watch it again just again and got a little tingly but he's very good in that movie I I was on a plane so I I would have kept rewinding that's awkward was it edited No, no, no. It was on my iPad. I always feel uncomfortable when I'm on a plane and I'm watching something that either is sexual content or about a plane crash. You're always like, turn it off, turn it off because other people around are like, what the fuck am I watching? Okay. Who or what would you mute? Is my mute. Well, since PCM is a Trump free zone, I don't have to put that in my mute because it's already done. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Space Karen. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to go with Space Karen, too. I mean, I just, I can't. Well, I mean, Space Karen is our new Trump, and he's he's literally following the playbook and knows exactly what he's doing and, um, you know, is drumming up eyeballs and awareness and is trying to garner, you know, usage on Twitter. It'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening and if they can, if they can get brands back and trusting them or if they just become one big MyPillow ad. I don't have faith. <laughs> I don't even care anymore about, so I'm like, I I said this last week, my world can be smaller. I have a network. I just talk to you guys on the phone and (laughs) and we can, and Kara can tell us about what's going on on post her social network that she is all moving towards, but I have not yet. I don't need another social network in my life or social platform. Okay. So I, I've made out with, and I've made out with Harry Styles quite a lot on this program. So I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to, I'm going to move on and say there are none of the men on white Lotus or guys that I would make out with, believe it or not. Like there may be one on that show I have made out with in real life, but we can talk (gasps) about that offline, but nobody on the show would I make out with it by choice. Not one man, not one of them, not even the hot Italian guy that was like the drug dealer who's who's naked in front of Jennifer Coolidge. No, not one man, but I would probably make out with every single woman on that show. Every single one, every single one of them. I think the female characters on the show, like one is better than the next. I just, I love, all of them they're so rich in their characters from the prostitutes to the maitre d or the man the hotel manager to the guests to everyone and uh, i would make out with all of them all of them agree um marriage as you know is not my not my natural place i haven't gone through that yet um mine either (laughs) (laughs) different reasons um you know i my God, I don't know. I would marry Mike White. I don't think I'm Mike White's type, the creator of White Lotus, but my Lord, what an, I mean, he's a a survivor, an amazing race. He's a writer, producer. His level of thinking is incredible. His creative 
uh, awareness is just his knowledge of history and the sort of threading that together. I, I would marry him. I think that would be fascinating. Um, I've also muted space Karen quite a bit. I'm going to mute and I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. But like now it's turned into a monster. I'm muting everyone's AI image that they're putting out with their like, wow, I, this is my favorite thing. Yeah. I'm, I would mute the lens, images that everyone is sharing. That's I'd like it. to see the real ones, the other ones, yeah. the other ones that the we ones shared. That, yes. I want to see your point. Like, and by the way, some of my friends have shared their beautiful photos and then I comment and then they DM me the ones. And I mean, some of them got yeah. full on naked ones back, like with yes. nipples, like full on nipples. And Shocking. Yeah. It's, it's bananas. So I mute you. I mute you. <laughs> well, Brandy, are you glad you did it? You're not nervous anymore. It's over. I'm not nervous anymore. I felt like it was just like hanging out, having a drink with you. I know. I wish we were having but a drink so next time. But this means that you are, once you're in the, the, the guest, you know, sort of world of Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, you're going to be in a rotation. This will not be the last time you guys will hear from Brandy Barker on this podcast. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> maybe neither, I'll get new headphones that aren't my son's. I love them. Um, I do. I, I think you look good in green, by the way. I think it's a very good color on you. Okay, guys. Well, with that, have an amazing week. Stay calm, cool, and collected. Have fun. Hold your friend's hair, but don't do cocaine. And we'll see you next Thursday. Pop culture.